One of the reasons that Sherwood has been a strong church through the decades is we've been blessed with strong men. I mean men that were men. Men who knew how to stand like men, walk like men, act like men, lead like men. Men who were willing to serve, to teach, to do whatever it took so that the kingdom could be expanded and so that God could use this church in this community. These were men who had a whatever-it-takes attitude. When I came here almost 29 years ago, some of those men were in their 40s and 50s and yet strategically placed in leadership roles in the life of this church. Now, some of them are in their 70s and 80s, physically not able to do what they used to could do, and some have already gone on to heaven and are in their heavenly home. If we're going to be the church that we need to be 40 years from now, which biblically a generation is about 40 years, then we need men in this room, teenagers, in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, to rise up and to fill some big shoes. We need you to understand how strategically important you are in the life of the church, in the life of the family, in the life of the community. And one of my great fears is that we want a church that is strong, but we don't want to do the things that make us strong. That we want a church where, where men stand up and speak out and are heroes to their kids, but we don't want to do the things that make us that way, that cause other people to see us that way. And we cannot expect a church to have strong leaders if we ourselves are not strong leaders. You see, it, it is hard for us to find men to serve as deacons. Used to, we'd have a long list. Now that list gets very short. The qualifications of deacon are found in, in uh, Acts chapter 6. And then when you get to that, men full of faith, wisdom, and the Holy Spirit, when you get to that, then it's about, are, are they faithful in church? Are they faithful in giving to the budget? And are they faithful in giving to meet the need? And far too often, that list gets whittled down because somebody is not being faithful in one or more areas in the life of the church. So at a time when the population is aging and we have more and more that are widows in the life of the church and more ministry that needs to take place than ever, we have a failure on the part of our men in their 20s and 30s and 40s to step up and do what they need to do so that they can be leaders, so that they can be witnesses. We all like to be around a winner, but to be around a winner, you can't act like a loser. We all like to be in a place where men are strong. I mean, if you're, if you're a man, if you've got one ounce of testosterone in your body, you want to be around a man that's strong, that knows he's a man, that is secure in his manhood, but doesn't act like a jerk about it. 
I don't know of a woman that I've ever met that didn't want a husband who was a strong, godly man. If they didn't, then there was something else wrong there. Are we the kind of men that will take this church for generations forward in a world where many young boys and girls don't have a dad in the home? Are we the kind of men that are going to step up and stand out and be what we are supposed to be? You see, the problem comes if we don't all do that, then a few get worn out. Uh, I asked uh, Terry to get the checkbook out this morning before I left, and I wrote a check to meet the need in memory of some men that have touched my life in this church and stood by me and stood with me at times when they probably thought I had lost my mind. But they're gone now. They've gone on to glory. And they cast long shadows that I miss. I miss the conversations. I miss the meals. I miss the interaction with them. I even miss them saying to me sometimes, you could do that. I wouldn't. But you could, but if you decide to do that, Pastor, I'll stand with you. I miss those kind of men because those men are an endangered species. And as they pass off the scene and as we say goodbye to them for a season, we need to understand that if we want to enjoy the church that God has blessed, he will bless us when we rise up and become like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, those men were here 48, 50 Sundays out of the year. They didn't come one and miss three. They didn't come one and miss two. They didn't come when it was convenient. They didn't come when it was easy. They didn't come if the weather was good. They just came. Their loyalty was to the church. They never thought about missing on Sunday night. Those were men that I could look out and always knew they'd be in their seat. Unless they were sick or visiting family, they were always there. Let me ask you something. Who's counting on you today? And who can be counted on today to be the person that is there in their place, doing what they're supposed to be doing, living the life they're supposed to live? Well, there are three words that I want to to see this morning. The first word is the word faithful. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses is giving instruction to the people as they enter the land. And I, I want you to see all of this today that I am not trying to lay a guilt trip on you. I'm trying to tell you it's a day that we need a new commitment. We need to rise up and be the men of God. Deuteronomy 6. Now this is a commandment the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson, that's three generations, might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should, not listen. you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk 
and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. He is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words, which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. First six verses talk about personal commitment. Personal commitment. It's not about, well, I know people are committed. It's about me being committed. It's about knowing these things in my heart, doing these things in my life, walking this walk the way God has commanded me to walk, obeying the word of God that it might go well with me. Anybody here not want it to go well? <laughs> that it might go well with me. Why? By doing the things that God says. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently. He did not say depend on a Christian school to teach them or depend on the church to teach them. You shall teach them. The school and other adults and the church are to partner with you, not take your place. Number one complaint of educators today is people drop their kids off and expect the school to do everything that the parents don't want to do. That's a number one complaint. He says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, there are transferable truths. I'm transferring what God is teaching me in my heart to those that are in my home. I'm not just teaching them how to hunt and how to fish and how to play sports and how to play a video game. I'm teaching them transferable truths that when I'm gone, they will remember that I poured those truths into their heart. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Moses says there needs to be visible evidence of our commitment to the Lord. That our homes are a witness to our neighbors of our commitment to Christ. That our word and our walk match. You see, Moses was warning them the way he would warn us today. Don't assume you're always going to have God's blessings. Don't assume it's always going to go well. Don't assume somebody will pick up your slack you do it. This is a personal command of Moses from his lips to their ears. You do these things so that it will go well with you in the land, so that you don't forget the blessings of God, the favor of God, the power of God. Because when that happens, three things are affected. Your worship. Your worship is affected. How you worship God on Sunday is largely determined by if you worship God Monday through Saturday. Your witness, your witness will not be compromised in a world when you're given an opportunity to back away from your faith and, and move away from God. You'll stand firm in your witness. And your walk with your family. Your walk will be consistent with your family. And when you blow it, you'll say you blow it. The hardest words for a man to say, three words, I am wrong. Or I have sinned. I'm wrong. That's a hard thing to say. Because we don't like to admit when we're wrong. And yet if we want to be used by God, we have to say, I'm wrong. I blew it. You see, 
we, we, we've got to be faithful to the Word of God. And the only way to be faithful to the Word of God is to be in the Word of God. To be in a Bible study class, to be in worship, to, to learn and to grow in the Word of God. Why, why is it that oftentimes the ladies' Bibles are all marked up and the men's Bibles don't have anything in them? It should say something to us about our leadership that we have marked up our Bibles, that we have studied the Scriptures, that we have taken notes on what God has taught us. What does it say to our family if they see our wives doing one thing and never see us doing it? If they see their moms praying but never hear their dad pray? If they see a witness in the family but dad steps back and lets mom lead? Now, it takes two parents to lead a home. But, man, I'm going to tell you something. Your wives desperately want you to be godly. They desperately want you to be godly. They don't care about the buck that is on your wall and how many points it is. They don't care about the picture of your fish. What they want to know is, have you ever washed a dish in your life? Have you ever plugged in a vacuum cleaner? Do you know how to clean up your side of the closet? Do you understand what dust is? Do you have a place for your dirty underwear? They want you to lead. They want you to model. They want you to be an example. And the problem is we're always available as men if somebody says, hey, I've got tickets to a game. Hey, I've got tickets to this event. But if it comes up, hey, we need something at the church. We need something done for the kingdom. I don't know if I've got time to do that or not. We've always got it on our calendars the first day of hunting season. We always know when they tell us the peak time is to go fishing. But do we know how to tell our kids where something is in the Bible? Do we know how to teach them the truths of the Word of God that they're going to need more than those other things? You see, what needs to change is that we quit saying there's nothing too great for me. We start saying there's nothing that I wouldn't give up for God. 1 Chronicles 7, 40. This is an amazing verse of Scripture. All these were the sons of Asher. Now I want you to look at the number of people this one man in one verse influenced. All these were the sons of Asher, heads of the father's houses, Choice and mighty men of valor, heads of the princes, and the number of them enrolled by genealogy for service in war was 26,000 men. The number of them, 26,000. Here, the sons of Asher multiplied to 26,000 men that this one man had influence over to be warriors for God. Now, there's a book that said the the source uh, bookstore that you can get later today is called The Warrior Within by Pat Williams, who's the uh, general manager, vice president of the Orlando Magic. He's a great guy. He's written a lot of great books, but this is particularly a strong book, and the whole book is written on this verse. In that book, he gives an illustration. It's in your notes about the samurai, the Japanese warrior, the samurai developed a strict but unwritten code of conduct called Bushido, the way of the warrior. 
This moral code was handed down warrior to warrior, from master to pupil, generation to generation. It was not written in books, but as historian Inazo Nabito notes, on the fleshly tables of the heart. The samurai warrior would write this on the heart of the young man that he was training. And there are seven Bushido virtues that are revered by all true warriors. By the way, they'd be revered in the church too. Moral rectitude or righteousness, courage, benevolence, the desire to do good, humble respect for others, honesty, honor, loyalty, and fidelity. Let me ask you something. Are we willing to do more? Are we willing to be more, to do more, to expect more of one another? Are we willing to step up and to help not just our children, but the other children that don't have a dad in their home, that don't have a role model? Are we willing to teach and to serve? It's hard for us to find deacons. It's hard for us to find men. I think we've got men in every children's Sunday school class in our church. But if you want to know who can get attention in a class of children, it's a man who is walking with God. Edwin Lewis Cole says, you can only lead to the degree you are willing to serve. The more you serve, the greater you become. Many people today consider the status of a servant to be demeaning. But in God's kingdom, instead of being appointed to lead, we are anointed to serve. We must be faithful. We must be available. We must be teachable. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 15. Psalm 15. To rise up, we have to be teachable. We have to let people speak into our lives and say things that need to be said. I'm grateful for the men that have spoken into my life through the years. Most often, men older than me. That's getting a little harder for me to find. But most often, men older than me. Sometimes my peers. Sometimes men that are younger than me that speak into my life and help me to understand another generation and what I need to do and how I need to think and, and how I need to express myself. We need to be teachable. Psalm 15 and verse 1. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? And who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. So let me just give you a principle on Psalm 15. God teaches us what it takes to walk with him. When we are students of the word, when we are men of scripture, when we are men who spend time with God, God teaches us what it means and what it takes to walk with him, to walk with integrity, to walk in righteousness, to be gracious because it is in that that our minds are renewed and our hearts are strengthened and our feet get planted in solid ground and we stand and do what God has called us to do. A couple of weeks we're going to start in John 15 on what it means to abide. But there's a principle in John 15 of a, of a vine and a branch. And a branch has to be attached 
to the vine for it to bear any fruit at all. And so here's a principle in advance. It's the tree that makes the fruit. It's not the fruit that makes the tree. It's the tree that makes the fruit. A peach tree is going to produce peaches. A pecan tree is going to produce pecans. An apple tree is going to produce apples. And we produce after what is in us. It is in the nature of a peach tree to produce peaches. It should be in the nature of the renewed man of God to produce young men and women who serve and love God. It should be in our DNA that our desire is not that at the funeral somebody says about us, well, he at least left us something in the will. Or not like a funeral that Stuart Briscoe did one day where he was about to do the funeral and the family was gathered and the mom was there, the wife was there, they'd been married 50 years and she turned to Stuart Briscoe just before the funeral and said, you can say whatever you want to say about my husband, but do not say he was a great dad because my kids will know you're lying. What will be the truth about you, about me? You know, I told our kids growing up, I said, a lot of things can happen in your life. Things can mess up. Things can go bad. But the one thing you need to know is you can always come home. You don't ever need to feel like you can go so far that you can't come home. You know who teaches that? The father in the story of the prodigal son. The father was ready and willing when the child came home. And did you notice the father and the prodigal son never rebuked the son for smelling like he smelled or looking like he looked or hanging around with the people he had hung around with. He welcomed him, put a coat on him, and had a feast because the son was lost but now found. Men, they're going to say something about us one day. They may say something about us right now. And you can't change the past. You can't change mistakes you've made in the past. But you can change today. You could start today. You could be a leader today. You could step up today and do what God has called you to do. 2 Timothy chapter 2, you're familiar with this two verses you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will teach others also. Now in Deuteronomy, there's three generations mentioned. The father, the son, the grandson. Here there are four generations mentioned. Four generations. Do you want a legacy that continues for four generations? Do you want a legacy that lasts beyond your lifetime? Do you want stories to be told about you when your grandchildren are adults and have children? 
Do you want them to tell stories about what a great man you were? It won't happen by watching TV all the time. And it won't happen by being like most of the men in America today who don't know how to stand up. Rick Burgess just did a men's conference in, in Alabama, and he, he made a very bold statement. He said, if you're not a Christian, you're not a real man. If you're not a Christian, you're not a real man. Because it takes Christ to make a real man. It takes God to take a man who can mess up his life and make him into a real man. It takes God to forgive a man who's messed up his life to make him into a real man. It takes God to fix what is broken in us. It takes God to help us unlearn the things that we learned that were wrong to learn to do the things that are right. It takes God for us to ignore and not point fingers back at our parents and say, they didn't do this and they didn't do that, but God is a good father. It takes God to make that kind of change in a man's heart. And we live in a world that needs men more than ever before. Not men that are braggadocious, not men that are trying to figure out if they can win a wrestling match, not, not men that are just you know, always strutting around. I'm talking about men humble before God that when they walk, their shadow falls and people's lives are changed just being in their shadow. That's the kind of men that we need. That's the kind of men Sherwood needs. That's the kind of men Darty County and Lee County and Terrell County and Worth County needs. We need those kind of men. Pat Williams said, we teach them how to fight the good fight of faith and then lead the way in battle. We teach them to serve the right master and give their loyalty to the right cause. And so let me ask you a question. Are you a man that knows Christ? I did not ask you if you're a man that was a member of this church. I didn't ask you if you're a man that had been baptized. I didn't ask you if you were a good man. I didn't ask you if you tried hard to provide for your kids. I ask you a simple question. Are you a man that knows Christ? And if you do, do your children or your grandchildren know that you know Christ? Because it's evident in the way you live. It's not just something you turn on on Sundays. It is who you are every day of the week. And when you blow it and you're not like Christ, you admit it and you say it and you ask for forgiveness. Can your kids look at you and say, my dad loves Jesus? If they can't, then today's the day of salvation for you. You need to give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. You need to ask him to change you and make you into the man that you need to be, you should be, that you know in your heart you want to be. And if you are saved, then are you going to step up from this day forward and start doing what God needs you to do in the church? You see, one day we're going to wake up if something doesn't change. 
One day we're going to wake up and some of you in your 20s and 30s that miss more than you come are going to wake up and say, man, Sherwood's not the church it used to be. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. If it's not the church it used to be, it is because you're not what you should be. Because a church is only as strong and as good as her people. And if you expect the kind of faithfulness that you see in this church now, then you're going to have to be faithful moving forward. You're going to have to make some changes in your priorities. You're going to have to make some changes in what's really important to you and step up. Or as Jay Strack says, there comes a time when the little boy needs to sit down and the man needs to stand up. I'm telling you, today's that day. Today's the day when some of us in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s, have still been acting like little boys. And we need to stand up like men. I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to step out and come to Christ and give your heart to Christ. Or maybe you need to come and bring your family to this altar and pray with them and ask them to pray for you to be the man that you need to be. Whatever it is you need to do, I'm going to ask you to step out right now and do what God has told you to do. Let, let's rise up, men of God. Let's rise up and be what God has called us to be and serve the way God has called us to serve. Love the way God has called us to love. We're not going to sing. They're just going to play. If you're waiting on somebody else, you've already missed the whole point of the message. If you're waiting on anybody else to do anything today except you, you've missed the whole point of the message today. Today is not about getting a card. It's not about getting a gift. It's not about you paying for lunch. Today is about honoring God before your family and giving your whole heart to Him. You step out right now.